Sometimes twirling a plot device. In honor of Mordecai, what movie character's facial hair is most essential to their on-screen presence? I'm Katie Rich, and I'm going with Ewan McGregor's sadness beard and Moulin Rouge because it just says so much about all the terrible things that happen in this allegedly shiny movie. Oh, hey, it's me, Dave with the Seven, and I'm going to say all the facial hair in the Charlie Sheen adaptation of The Three Musketeers, uh, most notably Tim Curry, uh, because that every little bit helps in the Frenchness of Tim Curry. What, not the Kiefer Sutherland Three Musketeers? It's the Charlie Sheen Three Musketeers? Jeez. Uh, I am Matt Patches, and I'm going to go with Robin Williams's Jumanji beard, because I remember as a kid that really like helped me understand how long gone he was in the board game and like what it would be like to live in a board game. And I'm David Ehrlich, and I'm going to go with Groucho Marx and Duck Soup, just because that is, uh, the, there has to be one king of the mustaches, and that is it. But, well, although, I will give a runner-up to to Tom Selleck in everything. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine, too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine, then, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's It's a podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 55 for Wednesday, January 21st, 2015, the year of our Time Lord, Dr. Emmett Brown. It's a Wednesday episode. It's a slightly abbreviated episode. You know, we were honoring uh, Martin Luther King Day and the movie Selma, or maybe just taking a Monday off. So uh, things are a little different this week, but we do have two new reviews that David wants to share before we get things started. Uh, yes, the first by Mr. Loiter is says, nice podcast. It's basically Joanna Robinson talking with the trio of male nerd reviewers. What more could you ask for? I'm still trying to figure out who is who. There's Dave with a number, other Dave, and host who rambles, and for some reason is not named Dave. Edit, updated <laughs> yes. in 20, January 2015. My original review oh. was just trying to make you guys laugh. We did. Now that I've heard many episodes, <laughs> I can report. Katie is awesome, and it's the support beam of the podcast, and shouldn't have been left out, even as a joke. And Mr. Patches is fine, not so rambly as first seemed. The only Woo. bad thing is you are all so young, it makes me feel old. Uh, this is my favorite review ever, I think. <laughs> <Just by Virginia. laughs> Contextualizing your yeah. life in the span. Um, I got punished for David talking too much about turning 30. I <laughs> and, <laughs> and maybe not my favorite review uh, ever, but one that is uh, positive nevertheless. <laughs> uh, some movie geek says, David is the disease, Dave Seven is the cure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hey, we can only grow stronger by having the disease. It's true. It's Let's just like the. It's, it's a, I'm the vaccine. I like to think. Right. I, I have been listening to the Fab Four since the Opkino days, and I've always found myself returning to them for one reason: solidarity. The Fitwer crew has been the most dysfunctional, functioning family I've heard possibly ever. Each one of them come from different film backgrounds, and each week I find myself intrigued with their views on every topic they bring into the show, whether or not I can agree with them. I feel like I've been on a wild ride with these people. Matt Patches has always been a delight with his vast knowledge of film, storytelling, and all the above. It's always been a delight to hear his opinion on anything. Although, oh, I didn't realize how long this is. Although I don't believe his love of Angela Lansbury is something anyone will ever be able to appreciate. Katie Rich, a.k.a. The Great Aww. Uniter, has always been a woman. I feel has some of the most interesting <laughs> opinions to listen to. But I feel never gets enough time to explore them, even during her own segments, since everyone tends to talk over Ooh. her. But it's okay because she keeps the boys in check whenever they get way into two topics or they're tangent into something else. Truly a woman wise beyond her years. If there's an infectious disease on this show, 
David Ehrlich, misspelled, is that why you ask? Because you realize over four years of listening to a podcast, you have caught the disliking every single movie for some inane reason disease. And you realize you are the David Ehrlich, misspelled again, of your friend's group. It hits you right in the face. However, if David is the disease, Dave Seven is the cure. Dave Seven, Gonzalez, always seems to make me laugh the most. And whenever there's a comic book movie or TV discussion, especially on Thought Bubble, shout out to his new podcast, I always am giddy with excitement to hear his input. And I find myself aspiring to be the Dave Seven rather than David. Why hasn't he done stand-up comedy, is anyone's guess. P.S. I just finished binge-watching Cora, and R.C. Dispatch is a triumph of podcasting. P.P.S. Joanna, News- Joanna Newsom. Joanna Robinson is a precious <laughs> human being. I must be protected at all costs. I may or may not have a huge podcast crush on her. Sorry, guys. I didn't realize that was that long, but we got through it. Mostly at my expense. But, but, yeah, <laughs> Joanna needs you in her life. Jonas Salk, thank you for giving us David Ehrlich. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and thank you, everybody, for these reviews. They obviously entertain us and make us very happy, and they help us get new listeners, and we love them. So please keep writing them. This past weekend, conversation was dominated on on the tweets, on the on the media, all the media storm surrounding American Sniper, the latest film from Clint Eastwood. I'm trying to say that like Lights Camera Jackson, American Sniper, media storm. Everyone's going crazy. Um, so yeah, so American Sniper made like a hundred million dollars in the last five days. Totally caught people off guard. Don't know why. Like, how did this happen? Um, and that's what I want to pose to all of you. How did this movie come out of nowhere or did it not? I mean, did it come from somewhere that we saw coming? Uh, how did it make all this money? And is it any good? You know, we're not going to formally review this film right now. I think Katie might with some cohorts later in the week. But, you know, American Sniper success raised some serious questions about who's seeing these movies, how it became so successful. Does it have Oscar potential? And my big question is Bradley Cooper a bona fide star? I no. say hell well, no. Everyone told me I'm wrong. What do you guys think about American Sniper? Element, the least important question you raised. <laughs> I, which I'm guessing Oscar talk you is are the correct. least important for you. And I, you yeah. are all over Oscar talk this yeah. year, sir. I have to tell you, I, you've been tweeting at I least know. once a day. I know. I, you know what? I, it's, I don't know what it is. What's happening to you? It's You're falling mental, apart. It's the disease. It's, and, uh, <laughs> it's the disease. The but it's, I, never, I never can anticipate what things that I perceive to be incorrect are going to irk me enough to feel compelled to comment. Um, there is no premeditation involved in this, and your guess is as good as mine. But one thing that uh, that that I came across from a number of different people that s- the, my bullshit radar went off was this notion that American Sniper, because of its giant box office success, and you should know that it grossed uh, almost forty million dollars more in its opening weekend than any of the films nominated for Best Picture have earned uh, in their entire runs. And up until this point, and this is quite surprising, the Grand Budapest Hotel with 58 million was the highest grossing of all of the Best Picture nominees. And American Sniper is already, you know, well over 100 uh, after the 90 million dollar opening weekend. But I, I just, I don't think there is any uh, real correlation between this and its Oscar success. The last movie that was the highest grossing of the nominees to win Best Picture was Slumdog Millionaire, um, and that was before they went and that to was the usually low grossing right, uh, year. Well, right. And I don't think I don't think it's the money is going to carry well, American Sniper to Best Picture. Let me, let me but finish do you real think quick. That Oscar talk helps this. Uh, let me finish. Well, you know, I hate to give credit to Jeff Wells, even as a. Uh, 
uh, as somebody that was just guiding me towards something that somebody else had written. But um, what American Sniper is doing is it's causing people like Sarah Palin to go to bat for this movie, to say thank you to the true patriots, Clint Eastwood and Bradley Cooper, for bringing this possible and, and for showing so many libs, her words, uh, why they are not fit to lick Chris Kyle's boots. Uh, and I think when... Is that what she yes, said? And when you get, I, re- I reserve the right not to read her Facebook. Page. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, it's an, as an American, absolutely. But <laughs> they, uh, I, I think, when you consider the tenor of this movie, um, the, the the rhetoric that's coming the, and surrounding its success, uh, and the people, as much as we have, you know, and even the president of the academy has taken to task the the makeup of the voting body, and we see it reflected in uh, in these recent nominations with you know the Selma snubs and whatnot. Um, the least we can say about them is that uh, they are still at least a liberal group, and I don't think that this particular movie uh, box office is going to do any good for it, um, and I think it's sort of a non-issue. I, uh, I, I want to disagree with what you're saying about the Oscars, but I feel like you were going to say something else about American Sniper first. Nope. Oh, okay. So, all right. So I agree with David saying that this voting body is more liberal. It's not really going to be swayed by Sarah Palin's opinion. And if anything, Sarah Palin's opinion would probably hurt American Sniper. I also don't think there's a, too much of a chance of it kind of swooping in and taking away the best picture that I think we all think Boyhood's going to win. But the Academy likes a hit. And the fact that none of the other best picture nominees were remotely close to the box office success of this matters. The Academy like, Awards telecast likes a hit. Yeah. <laughs> That's but all that matters. That it makes a difference. But I think that the idea of a movie, you know, American Sniper is not a great movie. It's not, you know, maybe even a good movie, depending on who you ask. But it's also not a comic book franchise. And it's a movie made, directed at grown-ups. And I think the people like that. When you see that something like that become a hit, even if it's not that great a movie, it, I, I like it. Although I mean, our I colleague Mark Harris debates it or, or suggests that American Sniper is a comic book movie by design, and that's why people are shelling out money to see it, that the character is so thin and his pursuits are so designed But it's, so it's not sold in mechanical. the way that comic book movies are sold, which is that here are these characters you already know. Here's them doing this thing. Here's all these different explosions <laughs> you can see. I mean, the trailers for the movie definitely promise attention that is not there in what the film is. But I think people are going to see it for really different reasons than they go see Iron Man. And that makes the success of it really intriguing and I think would make it appeal to the Oscars. I mean, you know, we're predicting what this relatively small group of people is going to want. None of us really know. But I don't know. I do think it matters in some way, even though it might not be reflected in American Sniper necessarily winning any Oscars. I don't think Mark Harris's uh, comparison to superhero movies is particularly well-founded. And you know that I'll take any opportunity to shit on superhero movies. Uh, But I do think (laughs) that looking at the success of something like Lone Survivor, which is a real piece of shit, and grossed $125 million domestically on a uh, a $40 million budget, there has been a, a trend... After maybe the success of the Herlocker, which was not a huge financial success, but won Best Picture somehow, um, that it, it seems, whatever the reason, that these movies about veterans uh, that are pro, not well, you, you want to, on the one hand, you could say all movies about war are inherently pro war. Um, and I don't think that Lone Survivor or uh, American Sniper, the makers, would come out and say that these are pro war films and there's a certain melancholy, at least, over American Sniper. But they are not uh, paths of glory. These are not outwardly anti war films in a uh, very uh, explicit right. I don't way. think American Sniper is so, pro war, but it's pro military. No, right. it's, it's exalting mm-hmm. the there hero of this war. Pro military films, I should say. Pro military war films are doing well as of late 
Uh, I mean, you're talking really about films that promote national individual heroism as opposed to films that star real Navy SEALs, which are also financial bombs. It's a weird thing that I don't think... I don't think it's ever going to affect uh, any sort of awards ceremony, Academy or otherwise, because it's like movies about being an American hero <clears throat> sort of play better in nostalgia in terms of everybody's mind. And when like current movies like that are out, it's uh, usually the public that latches onto them, not necessarily the awards public. Uh, ironically, you think Clint Eastwood would know this, but uh, maybe, maybe not. Oh, um, I mean, Clint Eastwood did have Letters to Iwo Jima nominated for Best Picture as a movie about Japanese soldiers. I mean, he's done pretty well when he's made movies about basically anything and also doesn't seem to give a shit about whether or not his movies win Oscars. Fair enough. It's it's interesting to see a January hit because I'm always inherently in favor of it because I think that there needs to be more hits to show that you could pull more what things that even you think are quality into the early months of the uh, movie release schedule instead of Although, just things that are are we, you're surprised by the quality. See, yeah, I don't consider American Sniper to be in a, a January release, personally. Yeah, when it's qualifying for the well, Oscars, I, I, mean, don't, I don't think that's fair. I think, you know, uh, we could... There is a snowball We effect. could see this percolating in December when it had the most outrageous per-screen averages when it was in limited release. However... Yeah, for a limited release in New York and Los Angeles, which is really interesting given the whole the Heartland theory. I mean, it was right. a really big hit in coastal liberal elite cities. Right, which is who knows why. But um, fascinating. Yeah. But well, I have, when a I have movie explodes that. from <laughs> limited release to a ninety million dollar January opening weekend, it becomes a January release. It because like the story is here that uh, ninety million dollars worth of American moviegoers went to the theaters this weekend for one movie and. Uh, it, it's it's really remarkable, um, right? I think so I want to well, I want to applaud it just based on that, and not necessarily have to assume that it's this movie. It's trusting to put a quality movie in this time of year, which you know, like otherwise, especially with the, I don't know the previous Mark Wahlberg movie we were talking about. This is like Mark Wahlberg's time to release his one attempt at a drama. And I'm so happy that someone's stepping on that, even if it's this what? weird American sniper I don't enjoy. That's your your vengeance is is misguided here. The gamblers actually, I, I enjoyed the gambler, but I do want to suggest that <laughs> American Sniper is not a success because of quality. Uh, I, I think it is a bad movie, and and when we're talking about it doing well in the East or in the coasts, or as Mike Huckabee would say, in the bubble and the Bubba states. Uh, it's it's unfortunate that you know him. what Mike Huckabee would say. Uh, he was just on The Daily Show the other night talking about his, his book, which has gravy, grits, guns, and all sorts of things in the title. Uh, anyway, um, why, why, do, why did this movie do well? I want to know if you guys think if it's Bradley Cooper attracting people. I do not. I think it's the Oscar momentum bringing in the coasts and the bubble. Uh, people want to see this movie because they want to know if it's a best picture contender. They want to see these prestige films. And then the 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 rest of this country, a lot of the red states skew towards these kind of movies. Made Lone Survivor a huge deal. These pro-military films, which I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. It's just divorced from quality. And I think it's divorced from Bradley Cooper, who ends up walking away the real winner of American Sniper because he produced it. He wanted to tell Chris Kyle's story for a very long time. Steven Spielberg was going to make this movie for a while. And now Clint Eastwood has made it in the driest uh, way possible. 
possible, and <laughs> it's it's out there. But I really don't think Bradley Cooper wins in this situation. I don't think Bradley Cooper's well, ever won in this situation, despite being okay. a three-time Oscar nominee. Hang on. I mean, what if your definition of movie stardom is one person alone can get people to go see their movie? There aren't any more movies. Okay, that. that's exactly what I was going to say. Else. DiCaprio. So think, DiCaprio no. is a movie star. No, people. No, people DiCaprio. Yes, they do. Matt Patches is right. DiCaprio is a movie star. He picks his projects okay. very selectively, and every time people fucking flock to them because they know he's That's a brand. He's like an iPhone. Really well. He is uh, okay. a class of his own. That's not Bradley start, Cooper, though. No, but starting no. no. start, but th- that's almost nobody. I mean, I don't think Jennifer Lawrence is that kind of. Oh, star. definitely not. Yet to prove that she is that kind of. Star. Wait they until Bradley I mean, Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence are in Serena, and it makes eight dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that kind of stardom doesn't exist anymore. So I think if you're asking if this makes Bradley Cooper a star, you have to defi- you have to redefine your terms because that doesn't happen these days. Well, then, what are the new terms of of stardom so that we can not include Bradley Cooper in them? <laughs> I think it does make Bradley Cooper. He's a star. just never been in a movie where Bradley Cooper is the important person, right? Let's talk through all so, his movies. Um, so well, wait, who, Limitless. Uh, Bradley Cooper was the most important person. That's true. Limitless did really well. I think Limitless did well because of the crazy concept. I don't think that was a Bradley Cooper thing. That's, that's another early movies... year Bradley Cooper surprise hit, though. That's what makes movies hits these days. I mean, like, who is a who is a modern like is Chris Pratt not a star because he hasn't been in a movie? No, that and is we've about debated that on another episode. So and he's not table going that. to be by that definition because they don't make movies like that anymore. Right, unless but, you're for Denzel Washington. Well, I I disagree with you because of the movie Bradley Cooper is doing. Um, you know, maybe Silver Linings Playbook should feel more like a Bradley Cooper vehicle, but it's not. It's Jennifer Lawrence's movie, and he's in it too, and. American Hustle feels the exact same way. You know, it's American Sniper feels American the exact Hustle. same way. He, Chris Kyle is the one uh, opening American Sniper, not Bradley You know, it's a movie star. Kevin Hart is a movie star. He, Kevin Hart is a movie star. You're yeah, absolutely yeah. right. He's a movie star. But doesn't matter what movie it is, it's going to do well. Yeah, the Wedding it's Ringer, modestly. We avoided it like the plague. It opened to like $20 million. You know, it's uh, right along it. too. And uh, <laughs> did you guys see the trailer for Get Hard? Get Hard's going to be huge. Well, Will yeah, Ferrell's a star, huge. too. Yeah. Well, Will Ferrell's a different... I mean, comedy star is a really different kind of thing, and that doesn't keep Anchorman 2 for being kind of a disappointment. I don't know. I still think Bradley Cooper gets to qualify as a star. And it's like the lead... I mean, you can cast Bradley Cooper as a leading man in absolutely anything, and people will buy him as it. There's no, like, him having to get over, like, oh, I don't really know if I see this guy. Like, people will go see... He's not going to be a detriment to people going to see something. There's no baggage that comes with him. And he no. kind of exudes this, like, leading man, like, and also quality thing. Like, three Oscar nominations in three years is not, you know, that's a, not a common thing. Like, he's got this It's not a common thing, elements. but he, he's a smart guy. I think he's a savvy Hollywood player. He Definitely. attached himself to, to intelligent filmmakers. David O. Russell put him in two of those roles, right? Uh, what if th- he's that just, is not a mistake. What if he's just Jai Courtney with a monkey's paw? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really hoping that is the no, case. Listen, I'm putting, I'm putting a, uh, a lifetime ban on talking about Jai Courtney on this podcast. Oh, no, it's, it's okay. I'm sorry. It's too many, like too many actors to remember. He offers nothing to my life. His name is made up. I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> well, I mean, there's always a Jai Courtney. He's the Sam Worthington with the monkey's paw. I don't accept that uh, cursing of Sam Worthington. Wait till name. Jai Courtney gets his Oscar nomination. His three Oscar <laughs> nominations back to back to back for all Su- three Terminator Genesis films. In fact, well, no, um, no Suicide Squad, Terminator Genesis, and then Terminator Genesis. Oh the beginning. I'm throwing yeah, up. Uh, I think I think the real test, just to wrap up here, for, for Bradley Cooper is this Cameron Crowe movie that comes out later this year. That's it's, apparently awful, according to leaked Sony emails. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. 
I'm going to hold opinions on that because I know nothing about it. But that seems like a movie that's just about the people in it. A lot of Cameron Crowe movies are. Uh, and like Elizabeth Town, it's just about those two people in it. And I think this movie for him will be that. It's, it's all about Bradley Cooper. And do people see it? Uh, we'll find out. But none of the movies he's ever done, including American Sniper, for me, is about, it's not about Bradley Cooper. American Sniper is about Chris Kyle, and I think that's why it's a huge hit. It really resonated with people who, who read his book, who followed his stories. I mean, I, I think a lot of people saw American Sniper here in New York because there was amazing New Yorker profile on him. There was just a lot of exposure. This has nothing to do with Bradley Cooper and everything to do with Bradley Cooper because he's the one who made it happen. So bravo I mean, to you're him. In about, you're about to see Bradley Cooper star in a lot of movies and basically do whatever he wants. So he's going to and act voice like a, a star even if he isn't a star. And he's going to voice a <laughs> He gets to go to the Marvel parties. The biggest movie of 2014 and the biggest movie of 2015 so far. That's a pretty good run. Except he didn't do anything in it. You know what? Sean Gunn should have three Oscar Guardians of the Galaxy is not even the biggest movie of 2014. The Hunger Games overtook it. And I'm going to be pedantic about it because... Fuck! I don't know. The last thing Marvel According needs is another pat on the back. Is still Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh no, you're right. Because so, okay. anyway, second uh, biggest movie of the year. And yeah. American Sniper will be. If you're not one of first, the you're last. Right? So, <laughs> fuck you, Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. Also, Rocky Raccoon is a terrible character. But we're getting away from the. You just call him Rocky Raccoon? Raccoon? Ra- Raccoon the Rocket? What the fuck is... I don't know what the his character is. Everyone dumb. look forward to our five-year anniversary review <laughs> of Limitless coming next year. Ooh. Uh, because we didn't really get to talk about it last week, and because we touched upon it in American Sniper segment, uh, I just want to briefly, in this mini-segment, talk about the Oscar nominations. They were crazy. There were snubs. There were surprises. So many things happened with the Oscar nominations, and now we have about a month and a half left of talking about it. But uh, let's let's do one reaction apiece. What what struck us about these nominations? Katie, you're our Oscar person here. Why don't you kick oh, us off here? Yeah, well, yes, uh, of course. You're sure. its greatest defender. You're the guardians um, of the Oscar galaxy. I, I do love my Oscars. Um, I was. I want to go positive and talk about my girl Marion in Two Days One Night, which is a movie I really did not think was going to be nominated. And why I was still it nominated? Don't honest, I don't know. I honestly, the only thing that I can figure out is that uh, the quality of the work actually won out, and people watched the screener, they watched the movie, they saw how great she was in it, and she won over or she well, got the in critics. Over, you don't think uh, that they're this might be the critic uh, <laughs> the critic groups finally having an impact. You don't think that maybe uh, there was a vacancy in the best actress nomination oh because of certain well, someone. I mean, <laughs> well, I think there was a vacancy that Jennifer Aniston thought she was going to be able to fill, and then I guess people managed to watch both Cake and Two Days and One Two Days One Night saw the more <laughs> impressive performance of Marion Cotillard and. Uh, Made it happen. And David wants like, you to pat him on the back no, for eliminating no, Jennifer no. Aniston. David, um, David single-handedly cursed Jennifer Aniston, and uh, we're all grateful to him for it. I mean, I, Cake is not the worst movie ever, but uh, I really love Two Days, One Night, as I talked about in the Top Ten episode, and it makes me really happy when something great gets in that no one was expecting, even though she's going to get clobbered by Julianne Moore, and that's totally fine. Aww. It's totally fine. Dave, do you, uh, do you have something that, that popped I, here? Yeah, I do. Uh, nobody cares that the Lego movie didn't get nominated for Best Animated Picture. Are you picture. kidding? It the ma- wait, no, lost its mind. I know, Sorry. which is ridiculous, and here's why. It made tons of money. It was never something that was supposed to be the Best Animated Picture. It's a CGI mixed live-action film, and in a year where we have Princess Cayuga and the Box Trolls also competing in 
like it and Big Hero Six are both things that shouldn't have been nominated. So I'm glad at least one wasn't nominated because the other one uh, kind of didn't do the boffo February numbers that uh, Lego did. But like the Lego franchise is going to be making billions and billions of dollars, and they're going to get like a Lego Batman movie. We don't need to give it a statue. That's just, that's silly. It's not the best achievement in animated pictures. It is not. I am so with you, and I hate to be the sourpuss over Lego movie, which I thought was good, not great, but I almost I almost went with that as mine, because no one's Princess being, Kaguya is so good. Yeah, no one's being hurt. It's just something that people liked didn't get nominated, and that happens across the board, so let's not complain about Lego movie. Nicely done, Dave. David? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's really cool that Richard Linklater and Wes Anderson are both nominated for Best Picture. I think that they made the best films of the past two respective years with Before Midnight and now The Grand Budapest Hotel. But what I think is really cool about it, uh, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's crazy to have such good movies get this kind of recognition, uh, even if it shouldn't be crazy. But what's really cool about it is that you just don't feel like either of those filmmakers made any effort to capitulate to uh, the Hollywood machine and, and what the Oscars wanted of them. They were both, uh, you know, boyhood is the definition of just doing his thing away from the world with, with the industry having very little knowledge what he was up to, uh, let alone making it, you know, explicitly for them and their approval. Uh, and Wes Anderson has made the most Wes Anderson-y movie that Wes Anderson has ever Wes Anderson. And they are both huge hits and it, front runners for oscars or you know at least very much present in the conversation and i just think it's really cool that hollywood came to them rather than the other way around and uh it's really refreshing and uh just to close out i i am very thankful for uh the emergence of of dick poop in my, oh my God. lexicon <laughs> oh my god but i'm, I'm actually laughing <laughs> yeah, i am i really <laughs> am still laughing but i'm i'm more thankful that um the cinematography duo behind ida made the cut like that really surprised me it's totally deserving lucas zal and uh rizard lenzweski i i I botched that but um i mean the 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 cinematography in that as we discussed in our top 10 episode as we discussed probably in other places i mean it's just phenomenal even even like stream it on netflix right now and you'll see uh i was really happy to see that sneak in despite roger deakins in the shit of Unbroken, also Roger making Deacons it in. Also nominated. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's just love, not his best work. I love the moment in the uh, Force Majeure director's, uh, you know, quote unquote, lead <laughs> video where Ida got the cinematography nomination. They just lost their minds. They were so pissed. I am sad for that movie. Um, I am too. Comedy Majeure, does not play well. It, please, you know, foreign uh, language is all about Force stuff. Majeure and uh, see what the Academy did because that's also a great movie. Um, and see at the Oscars. <laughs> That does it for today's slightly abbreviated Fighting in the War Room. We'll be back, or I'll be back on Friday with a review of some of the week's new-ish releases. Uh, while David and Patches head off to Sundance, all three of you are going to be in the Mountain Time Zone for the next week, which is uh, going to be very confusing for me. <laughs> I hope you all uh, stay safe in the snow. Time traveling, yes. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, tell the people who you are. I'm Matt Patches. I write all over the place and put everything on my website, mattpatches.com, and I'm on Twitter, at Mr. Patches. And we have a website for this podcast, fightinginthewarroom.com, where we post all the episodes, have all the notes and the music and blah, blah, blah. And uh, you can comment uh, and, and share everything as possible on fightinginthewarroom.com. 
I'm David Ehrlich. I'm the associate film editor of Time Out New York and the editor at large of Little White Lies magazine. You can find me on Twitter, David Ehrlich, uh, and at Time Out US Film, and also at Criterion Corner. And really, any Twitter account that you follow is me in disguise. Um, except, except for the Fit Workout, where Dave is doing most of the tweeting. Uh, but you can find all of us together on Facebook at Fighting in the War Room. I am not doing most of the tweeting. It must be sentient. I think I'm, I'm doing most of the tweeting, <laughs> frankly. I like my answer better. I'm Dave Gonzalez. I spell that first part DA7E. That is also my Twitter handle. I write about superhero movie news and mega franchises, latino-review.com and forbes.com. And I also do a podcast called The Thought Bubble, which will be coming Thursday this week uh, for the same reason that this episode is coming Wednesday. And because why jam your feed with all the fighting in the war room all at once? Uh, but yes, it's about uh, comic books, and you can find it at fightinginthewarroom.com slash comics. Check it out. And I'm Katie Rich. You can find me on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H, or at Vanity Fair's Hollywood, where I'm writing about the Oscars and mostly the Oscars, but some other things, too. Uh, you can also find the entire podcast on Twitter at F-I-T-W-R, which is a great place to answer this week's lightning round question, which was... In honor of Mordecai, which movie character's facial hair is most essential to their on-screen presence? Thank you for listening, and we'll see you and Mordecai on Friday. Mordecai. <laughs> Gotta see Mordecai. Yeah.